Welcome to Now the Yoga Begins, a weekly podcast exploring yoga beyond the mat, the living of yoga, not just the practice of it. You can receive this podcast in written form direct to your inbox. Just head to embodimentyoga.substack.com slash subscribe. I'm your host, Erin Van Krimpen. Let's dive in. Greetings, beloveds, and welcome to the first interview episode of the Now the Yoga Begins podcast and your weekly newsletter. Uh, today, I'm really thrilled to be interviewing Erin Lee, the founder of the Mindful Yoga School, a Sunshine Coast-based mindfulness and meditation training center, which is on a mission to support people to live with authentic presence, purpose, courage, and compassion. Erin believes that this is a way that we become a demonstration for others to live to their true potential. Mindful Yoga School offers yoga teacher training, meditation and mindfulness teacher training, as well as weekly yoga classes, immersion programs, retreats, collaborative events that support community connection and well-being. Erin is also the author of the big book, The Little Book of Big Intentions, and which is um, which she launched last year. Was it last year or was it the year before? The year before, the now. Year before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and is has been doing a little an extra book tour over the last few months to kind of continue to celebrate that book. Erin also happens to be my teacher and one of my favourite humans in the whole world, which is why when I decided that monthly interviews with yoga teachers would be a perfect way to round out my monthly posts, I knew that Erin had to be the first person I asked. Um, aside from having a great name, obviously, Erin has such a beautiful, graceful way of transmitting the teachings of yoga. Her power for me is in her gentleness, much like the way a river with just a soft current can still move us downstream without us even realising it, which is not to say that she won't hold you in goddess or chair pose until you think you're about to fall over. I'm so grateful to you, Erin, for saying an enthusiastic yes to this interview. And for all the wisdom and guidance you've contributed to me as a yoga teacher and human being. So welcome and thank you. It's such a privilege to have you. Oh, thank you, Erin. I feel privileged that you have asked me and that, you know, get to have these sorts of chats about yoga and that people might be listening to it. <laughs> I know. I mean, it kind of just feels like we're just having a regular yoga chat and and maybe we'll have some other people listening in later which actually feels really cool yeah yeah may it be t- may it be a timeless discussion amen <laughs> testify as I used to say in yoga teacher training too often um so my first question is an obvious one what brought you to yoga at the beginning of your practice Yeah, my journey with yoga started in my early 20s I was a uni student um completely broke like I did have a part-time job but a casual job but I was flatting with uh, a lovely girl Jenny and another guy at the time and uh Jenny was a veterinarian and for some reason she was a bit broke as well I don't I don't know I thought vets were well paid but um back then not and she had a school teacher friend who was a teacher she was definitely broke um so we all sort of scrounged up some money to go to a yoga class that Jenny and the other teacher had had gone before. And they said, you have to come here. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a go. Um, it, I had never practiced yoga before this point. I was uh, what, um, 21, 22. And uh, I went to this class. It was an Ashtanga class in West End in Townsville. And I just, felt amazing after it not only physical but you know I walked out and I just felt like mind expanded I had perspective and reset so I was like gosh this is amazing let's keep this in our lives so we couldn't keep paying the studio fees so we just said let's just try to teach each other like let's meet in the park once a week and we'll just try to remember the the poses and cues and teach each other and so we did that for quite a long time and that was really my first entrance into yoga and and funnily enough like you know a long time after that um 
I ended up doing my yoga teacher training. The the veterinarian did it the following year and the teacher did her teacher training the following year. So we actually all ended up becoming teachers. I thought that That's was amazing. Funny. Yeah. I mean, obviously you were in it from the beginning because you were like, you were like, we're going to teach each other. And like, I just, I think that's so incredible. It's such a testament to the power of what yoga is, which is self-exploration and discovery and, you know, yes, being having the information transmitted through is really important, but it's also just an ongoing conversation and an ongoing, let's have a go and see, let's just see, let's just see what happens. Yeah, that is really interesting because although our instruction, of course, wouldn't have been perfect or our alignment cues or our awareness of proper anatomy and physiology or um while that might not have been there, just even guiding each other through those bits, I felt nervous or my self-doubt came up. I had to sort of dig in a bit deeper for some courage. You know, all the lessons were already starting to play out there that make yoga real. So, yeah, that 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 was quite fascinating. I, I, you know, for the years that rolled on after then, it was just going to the occasional formal yoga class but but more often than not just done pretty informally you know me just again attempting like a little vinyasa flow in my lounge room and um that was really doing what I thought were just stretches but again you know the movement of the body obviously taps into all those other layers of ourselves and um yeah it wasn't until I started getting a bit more seriously into it after uh, my husband died back in two, 2009 um, that I I realised the deeper powers of the practice and in particular uh, the mindfulness practices embedded in yoga and uh, that's when I started taking it a bit more seriously. Mm. Because uh, coming like what you said there, and then coming back to it, like you you felt like you were just kind of stretching. A lot of yoga really is about the mind that you bring to it, right? And it's not just about a physical practice of stretching or strength or whatever it is. You can be doing yoga, washing the dishes. You can be doing yoga, wash, hanging out the laundry. It's about bringing that mindful energy to whatever it is you're doing, and the poses are just practice for that in a way I think Mm, yeah well put yep I Mm. love that outlook on it too like how we practice on the mat is how we'll practice in every or how we'll be in everyday life and Mm. then of course you know if life's kind of playing out a certain way for you will you bring it to the mat to have a good look at um and it's just that that relationship you're totally right I love that and conversely if showing up on your mat is tricky show up mindfully to some daily stuff and see if it shifts what's going on on the mat which is something that I know you and I have talked about a bit because of my history of trauma sometimes showing up on the mat can be really tricky and can leave me feeling overwhelmed and it's much easier to be like okay well I'm gonna bring my mindfulness to walking my dog is kind of my go-to one of being like, okay, well, I'm going to sing some mantras in my head while I walk or I'm going to have a like a mindfulness walk where I'm aware of what's around me and then it becomes less sticky to get on the mat because I've already practised it. Mm, so perfect, so perfect. And this is the beauty of, of yoga and I know we'll get more into the, the discussion of the juice of it but you know the concept of what it is and what it isn't and and there's there's so many I guess miss myths and um uh yeah mistaken beliefs about about what yoga actually is so I love that you get the real yoga Erin you yeah. you practice it and you preach it in what I feel is the right way well Thank you. That's good. Well, I guess that's why I passed my yoga teacher training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tick. A plus. Tick. <laughs> so what is it that keeps you returning to your practice after this time? 
Look, I have to say... Not, it's not been... that I'm trying to cast any aspersions on how many years it has been since you started yoga in the park with your friends, but it has been uh, some years. So Yeah, yeah it's yeah. been like about 25, actually. Yeah. You so can do I'm the not... math on that. <laughs> <laughs> and when I reflect on that, it, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's for really the same reasons, the same the same experience that it continues to give me that I had at that very first class. You know, I just, I feel expanded. I feel more self-realized. I feel like I can just understand myself and the world a little better. Um, I can see things more clearly, like with perspective. Um, and, And it's for that reason that I keep returning to the yoga mat. And while that can happen in my personal practice. I just can't vouch enough for getting along to be instructed by someone in person. I know there's a place and time for that for people or it might not be possible or, you know, at least under the instruction online or something like that. There's just something about being um, held by someone else to be guided guided through the practice as well but not on not underrating home practice and your own personal practice but you know sometimes we can just too easily point towards the pleasant or just you know I know there's some days I'll get on the mat and I just want to loll around in a happy baby on my back and that's my practice and that's totally fine but I just know when I go and and practice with someone that um I get shown new things and my mind feels even more expanded quite often. Yeah, I totally agree. I um, I kind of grew up in a home practice. I, I was practicing along with online, like in an online tutorial, like school setting, which was wonderful and exactly what I needed at the time. But when I attended, started attending, when I attended my first yoga class and then when I attended yoga classes regularly, it was yeah it was completely different and sometimes for me it's confronting because it's like oh well I can't do it this way or the teacher isn't instructing in a way that's totally accessible for me or whatever it is and that's can be a thing that sometimes I don't want to have to deal with but that's also yoga like learning to accept that and figure my own figure out my own way through and provide that feedback if it's appropriate but more that thing that you're talking about there with the community aspect of it when like there's for me there's a moment where you realize that you are all like there's a this combined intention all there with a similar purpose and reason for being an intention something really powerful and magical about that it's kind of like a bubble gets created around everyone in that room and you're creating magic for yourself and for everyone else in there and that shared energy and for me it's got to be a balance of both because going to classes all the time I find really draining but I I yeah. definitely agree like I know that I need the classes to push me because I otherwise I, I, I do have my half an hour kind of there might be a variety of poses that I do on there but they're all the things that are comfortable um yeah. And that's good to be able to push out and be like, oh, yeah, pigeon, I haven't done that in a while and I really love it. Or maybe I do need to put some more standing poses in and that sort of stuff and just be like, hey, remember remember that these things exist. You're not just doing your one thing mm. all the time. Yep. And no, reminding, I guess, too, as teachers, um, remembering that's, Less is more, you know, just like coming back to the simple flows or the, the base poses is it never gets dull. It never gets dry. It just yeah. that's always a good reminder for me when I go and do do live classes. And, yes, just on that point too, you made me think of it. Thank you. But, you know, getting to the, the live classes, it really and that sense of community being provided, it's, it is only available through I guess the space that's being held right and making sure that it's that inclusive safe space um, that allows for the connection rather than disconnection I've um, recently been adding on some Pilates classes which is so different because it's just so you know 
physically technical and there's not much reference to the mind, maybe a couple of reminders about breathing, um, just probably a 30-second warm-up and warm-down, that sort of thing. Um, but if the teacher, so you, you might assume that there's not much opportunity for the connection of the community of the class. Everyone's on their reformer machines and doing their own thing. But if the teacher holds the right space, there's laughs, there's definite definite connection. So um, yeah, finding 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 your teacher that that you feel comfortable with, but that is gonna also give you some challenges in there, but with yeah. love, challenges yes. with love. And hold space for you should not be challenged if you're not up for it that day. Yes. Which I think you do beautifully. You're, you're always like you get, you offer the challenge and it's never a problem for someone to be like, actually, I'm just going to have a little sit down on my matter. I'm going to hop back into child's pose or I'm going to do something else completely. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an invitation rather than a, hey, here's what we're doing. Let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm in that kind of class, I just start laughing because there's a lot in my own physical body and personal practice that just I'm not doing anymore that I used to do. And so um, those really hardcore classes that are super disciplinary, like I just get the giggles <laughs> a little bit now. <laughs> it probably really annoys the teacher, but um, yes, and just finding that um self-discipline and courage to to back off and and mm. you're right Erin I do love I love seeing that and if I see someone backing off I love to not to um isolate anyone out but just I will generally add a comment like it's great to see people taking modifications that suit them where they're at today how the body's showing up how the mind's showing up this is so great to see that you know, this is the real yoga, and you just see people like people in down dog drop to their knees and follow suit. You know, they're like <laughs> hanging in there, gripping on, yeah. and now they just find a more comfortable seat. So, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's often what people say to me after classes, just classes that I've been in or whatever. They're like, "Love it! I love to like. I love how you make the practice your own because then it gives me permission." to do it for myself as well. And I just don't think you can ever underestimate the power of being brave enough, having the courage to say, my practice, my body, I choose what's right for me and seeing how that might ripple out to the to the people around you. Mm. Because teachers are teaching for, a, a generally are teaching for a wide variety of abilities and they can't always, you know, provide the full scope of, you know, alternatives from, you know, the very easiest to the most difficult. And it is up to us. There's nothing in the Yoga Sutras that tells us that the teachers, your teacher's going to tell you exactly what you need to do 100% of the time. It is a lot about asking you to, like with the guidance of the yamas and niyamas and the ethical principles to find your way in it using the, what the teacher has given you as the framework. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully said. Um, I just want to move on to let's talk about some of the, uh, um, like, what we think, what do you wish you saw? So the questions I've got here are what do you wish you saw more of in the yoga world and what do you wish you saw less of? I'm really mm. interested in this one. This is a question that I'm going to pose to everyone because I think we'll all have different opinions. Yeah, on, yeah. And I'm wondering what themes are going to come through. It's a, a great question and instantly it brings up my preferences and, you know, I could tell you things like, oh, I want to see more um, men or I, I want to see less ego or less competition. But when I think of what does happen in the yoga world um I guess however it is it, it is what it is and that's for us to examine our relationship with like for example um you know going to I could tell you that I would love modern 
um, the modern way of delivering yoga to focus less on the physical and more on mindfulness and meditation and familiarizing ourselves more with the mind and knowing that the physical is an important piece of the holistic outcome but there just seems to be a lot more attention placed on the physical in modern yoga studios these days so I could tell you that story but I, I, I do think it's just a story because if I go to one of those classes and I guess seeing that generally playing out that's my generalization and an opinion that there is more focus on the physical in modern day yoga that's I can go into judgment about that um, or I can see it and then find my own way in in there I can actually make the judgment see my own judgment about it and come into relationship with that without having to so then I don't have to change the outside world. It 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 is how it is. So I, I actually think what's unfolding in yoga is is giving me the practice that I that that I and I you know that the opportunity is there for all to have as well to um, not compare to not judge. Um, to, uh, you know, if you're in one of those very physically focused yoga classes, um, then the tendencies that do come up, the comparison, the expectation, the, the the ego, you're not willing to back off in poses even though you've got an injury or your body's telling you otherwise, That's it's all still there. Mm. Um, I guess that hasn't answered your question very well. I mean, it's a really, it's a really great point. I really appreciate that you've raised it because certain like writing those questions, I didn't. It, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't a question of judgment for me. It was kind of like, well, I can totally see how it comes. It can, it, that can raise judgment, um, and be like, okay, well, yeah, because I definitely am one of those people. I'm like, social media yoga is all about. It's all about, you know, being young and thin and skinny and white and doing the most advanced versions of poses and it's terrible and there should be less of this. Yeah. And I think that I think that's correct. <laughs> but that's also I have that I'm sharing that opinion. <laughs> I, also that like it's coming from a place of judgment in that there is another correct way for people to be demonstrating yoga or having a social media presence or whatever. And that's also not true. There is no one correct way. For things to be happening there is there are ways that we can all take up space in that and mm. um i think the thing is that if we don't notice these things and we don't point them out then and we don't then take the action then change doesn't occur you're so, so right it can't yeah. just be oh i'm seeing it and i'm not judging it like there has to be the next yeah the next thing the next skillful step you're mm. right and so that like there is a place for judgment, that that right judgment though. Okay, so what is right judgment? That's where we can turn to the texts and let them teach us these teachings that have been around for a long, long time. And I guess what we'll discover is that it, it it's all pointing us towards becoming aware of our mind. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if... So coming back to the original question, you know, what do you want to see more of? I guess I could say with certainty then more focus on mindfulness, on the familiarisation of the mind as we're going through the physical movements, as we're doing the breath work, just more um, teachings, more references to, to, you know, knowing how to manage thoughts, knowing how to manage things that are coming up in the mind, because they are for all of those students in the room. And because um, without, sorry to interrupt you, but no. because without that, if it's just a physical practice and you're not teaching them about the mind, then they're not able to, they're not able to do their own work or we are not able to do our own work of applying the mindfulness to the teaching that we're receiving like I'm sure in fact I know there are people out there who believe that yoga is only the physical practice and it's just the poses and that there is a kind of a mindfulness aspect to it but that 
the asana is the be all and end all. And without having the rest of yoga being brought into those physical classes, they're not receiving the fullness of the beautiful teachings. Yeah. Look, I've got this quote here, if I can yes. take a bit of reading it, because I keep this one nearby. It's from Alan Wallace, who's um, a Buddhist scholar. He, he's he got this great book called The Attention Revolution. And he says, our very perception of reality is tied closely to where we focus our attention Only what we pay attention to seems real to us, whereas whatever we ignore, no matter how important it may be, seems to fade into significance. And and this just, with what we're talking about, it just reminds me that, you know, because you could be at the gym or like they instruct in a Pilates class, like focus on your abdominal muscles or your glutamin or you know, you're in front of the gym mirror focusing on your biceps and and there's benefit in this, just the mind's focusing on one thing at a time and this is great. But if our relationship with it is, um, you know, for that, just that physical perfection or or um, if, uh, to make it, you know, um, the physically aesthetically better and getting caught up on that and you're comparing um, and you're not aware that that's what's going on in the mind, then, yeah, the the broader yoga teachings have been lost. But once we can have awareness that that's what we're doing, I guess that's what sets yoga apart, isn't it? Because you'll still compare and expect and all these judge. But, but now you've been reminded to be aware of it. So I guess that's what I would love to see more in the yoga world just more focus on that awareness um and and the where that how the attention is being placed I guess you could where you can point it to wherever you like but the the how you know what we're cultivating along the way yeah absolutely I find myself in the few classes that I've taught since I graduated a lot of it is notice, just notice. Notice where the intention is. Notice where your mind is. Notice how the breath is. Notice because it's just because that's the hard part, I think. Like mm-hmm. the poses themselves are getting into alignment. There's challenges along the way. But the hardest part is noticing, is that moment of being like, oh, I'm caught up in something else on my brains with my dad being hospital or whatever it is. Like I meant, ah, that thing. Once you notice for me at least the next part is easy you're like oh I'm going to come back to my breath or I'm going to place my attention on this or I'm going to be aware of my surroundings but when your mind jumps on the train and it's on its way to the nullable like it's hard to notice yourself on that train Mm, yeah Mm. it is once you yeah that little prompt notice where your mind is at it's that's the moment of enlightenment really yeah it's an awakening oh I love that thank you for sharing that quote and I'll um I'll pop a I'll pop the title of that book um, great in the show notes for this episode so that if anyone's interested in looking at it more deeply they can I, I definitely will be checking it I've been meaning to look more at his stuff since yoga teacher training but I've been caught up in many other readings since then so I'll have to add it to the list oh yeah how big does the pile get I I couldn't help myself the other day I was passing by a bookstore I'm like I just have to go in and just I just had to buy another book and I haven't opened it yet but yeah how how good are books I love books (laughs) I am a big book fan (laughs) Uh, what do you think is the most underrated teaching of yoga? The most underrated teaching of yoga. I, we we touched on this before. Um, I think you said something like, "What? Like okay, the judgment, but what's next? So like the next step and yeah. seeing yoga as." I've heard it being defined before as yoga is skillful action. Yeah. So what, you know, in in that space of or post, 
becoming aware of judgment or expectation comparison, these sorts of tendencies. Okay. And then we can become aware of that. And then what's the next step? You know, that place of discernment um, where we get to choose our response or our next action. You know, action in can even be a thought, the next thought, or it can be a behaviour or, a you know, um, taking taking action physically or whatever it might be and um I just think that's really important knowing that it isn't about just sitting back um which was kind of where we were headed in the discussion before with just allowing the yoga world just to be exactly as it is and that's probably the peacemaker my peacemaker tendency coming up but the ability to create change beneficial change is so important so (laughs) uh you know yoga as being skillful action I I think that little fine tuning on what it is and what it isn't is is pretty underrated I think I think you're right I think I've been um watching a lot of stuff and reading Susanna Baccarati's book um which is about embrace your roots which is basically yoga for social change and social justice and Mm. she's real the the power with which she speaks on yoga not simply being a a physical practice but also not just a relaxation practice it's not just something that we do to unwind and to get into a good headspace the core of yoga is actually to take skillful action is the it that that the physical practice and then the relaxation and the open mind, that's all the stuff that sets us up to take the action or not take the action. That is the, the wisest choice. You said to me, what's the next wise action many, many times um, last year? And that's the thing I think about it. That's the definitely the teaching I am really trying to explore this year of being like okay what is my practice physical or non-physical that's setting up setting me up for in terms of the step that I take that is in alignment with yoga and who I am and I I don't hear about that in classes at all we talk about it in yoga teacher training but it's certainly not something I see in classes it's not something I see a lot on social media like there are people who talk about it but yeah I agree totally underrated and that is what um that is what creates the change that we want to see I'm an advocate my personality type is an advocate is about change and I have to rein that in a little bit and be like what's the smallest version of this I can do (laughs) I don't need to take responsibility for going out and changing the landscape of yoga social media but what can I do to create that little ripple well, not even reining it in or making it smaller. You're so good at being the advocate and being the voice be- and you don't have to minimise it because you do it with love. Mm, thank you, know? you. So you do it without harm and I don't think you have to back off anything then. I think you just keep keep on your path as an advocate and always just with that intention of love and no harm. Yeah, you can't go wrong. I think I love it. it's more it's more about the goals than the how than the how I do it. It's more like, okay, I need to change the whole entire world. Oh yes, okay. That can become again <laughs> overwhelming for an like, individual. What if I just we've got like about 50 people who are subscribed to the newsletter? What if I share it with those 50 people and see how it lands with them and see if it's a contribution to them? And even that will change the world. Do you know what I mean? Like allowing that to be enough. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Hey, I've got another, I'm on the same page of Alan Wallace's book and there's a reading where he says, you know, just talking about yoga as skillful action and, and how to allow for the reminder of that teaching, um, a focused mind can help bring the creative spark to the surface of consciousness. So, you know, that space that yoga gives us to allow creativity to return, this is where the action becomes skillful, isn't it? Because you you have those aha moments, those big realizations without chasing them or forcing them. And they just kind of, 
they land and and you're like, ah, oh, that's that's the knowing, that's the deep intuition, that's you know the intellectual wisdom body, that's the um, skillful action side unveiling itself without us forcing or chasing just what we think is the best next course of action. And so I, th- I love that this is the practice of yoga. This is what the pathway, the physical, energetic, mental helps to unveil what the skillful action is without force. Yeah, it creates the space. It allows the, the my, my tarot teacher, Lindsay Mack, talks about turning down the volume on the brain and ego or turning up the volume on the intuition and heart. And, and that's what yoga does. And it's not going into it being like, I'm going to do this practice and at the end of it I'm going to know what I need to do in this fight that I'm having with my friend. And I mean, like, I'm going to go into this practice and know that I'm going to be creating space for myself regardless and trust that when that answer comes up, it will come up. But knowing that I'm not creating the space to not be figuring it out in here. Yeah, which is our default, isn't it? It's our default, trying to figure stuff out. And I love that. That's such a great quote because... I started art school this year and I committed to doing one 10-minute drawing every day, even if it was terrible, and they are terrible because they are only 10-minute drawings. Um, But that focus and that intention of being like, hey, I'm going to put my attention on this for 10 minutes has really unlocked creativity. So I've been painting watercolour for a few years and towards the end of last year it just all fell off. I'm like... I had no, I didn't know what to do. I was finding it really hard to sit down and paint and just didn't know where to start. And these little 10 minute drawings, I'm like, oh, and I could do this or I could do this. And I've got a whole collection of this I could do. And you know, it really does unlock that. And it speaks to how focus, how powerful focus can be in all areas of our life. And again, paint where our attention is when someone asks, when our teacher asks us to notice on the map, we don't get those prompts in life. So how can we figure out what those prompts are going to be in our life to continue to draw our attention back? Mm. So that's a, yeah, that really, that really resonated with me, that little quote. I'm like, that's right. Absolutely. Mm, Yeah. Nice one. Nice one. Okay. So Coming towards the end of our questions here, so I'm going to ask you about a Himsa, which we're diving into this month, which um, is probably my favourite. You shouldn't have favourite. I don't know whether you should have favourites, but certainly it has been my favourite. It's the one that has really been my platform to dive into the um, the teachings, which it should be because it's the first one, but it's one that really resonated with me. I know you've got many, many teachings and thoughts on this, but if you could offer one teaching or reflection on Ahimsa based on your experience as a teacher or practitioner, what would it be? Yeah, well, I understand why you've been so attracted to this one because I think it underpins or in reverse is the umbrella for all the other yamas and niyamas. Um, it gives roots to them all. Um and I think at its simplest, you know, Ahimsa being about non-harm and having compassion, I, I think to, to, to just see and listen to each other um, is such a, such a great, maybe underrated again, practice of Ahimsa, um, just you know, working on our own presence and just being there for other people in that way, holding, knowing how to just hold, be with, hold space, or it's the, really the definition of intimacy, which I don't know if you've ever heard that breakdown of the word intimacy, into me, I see, mm-hmm. into me, I see. So it is an inward um s- s- skill that an inward inquiry first to understand what that feels like to be present and then to to offer that out I think is is such a beautiful practice of ahimsa because we can then hold space for the pleasant the unpleasant the full spectrum of humans whether they seem good or bad or right or wrong 
Um, and I just think that's that's a really lovely way to be. Of course, I do want to add in there that, you you know, boundaries are also really important and sometimes um, knowing when it's appropriate to hold space or not is beneficial to know um, and put into action. But, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a really gentle teaching on Ahimsa, but I feel it's a really powerful one. You know, I consider my family, I, you know, I run a business and parent two beautiful girls and I've got a partner and um, always seem to have a lot on the go and sometimes spinning lots of different plates, I forget to pause and just really be with my daughters, for example, and I think, you know, if they, if if that was a regular practice, that would probably be quite harmful. It wouldn't make them feel seen or heard growing up. You know, there could be conditions set in now passed on to the next generation of I'm not important, I'm not seen or heard. There's a whole balance here. Oh, my God, we could have a whole other podcast talk, couldn't we, about the entitlement <laughs> thing with the new generation. and But just being a demonstration to teach them that, you know, how to be present is a beautiful practice of Ahimsa, I see. I think I, all of that, yes. And boundaries are also Ahimsa. I think about Brene Brown who says clarity is kindness. Yes. So and boundaries are just clarity. Boundaries are saying this is the behaviour I will accept and this is the behaviour I will not accept. Yes. This is the space I'm taking for myself and I'm requiring that it not be encroached on. That's all, that can all be done with kindness and compassion and it is, it can be communicated in a non-violent way, so in cons- like consistent with Ahimsa, and it also prevents violence. Like, like, and vi- like when we talk about violence, we're talking about it in a broad sense, like not physical violence. But yes. I have a boundary. I'm saying here's what I need you to do in order for me not to be harmed. Yes. So I'm protecting myself. I'm ensuring that violence is not being done upon me. And if someone else has a boundary for respecting that, is making sure that we're not doing violence to them. I think you know, there's nothing about boundaries that aren't consistent. A lot of it has to do with communication and the fact that boundaries are often set after they've been unspoken. Do you know what I mean? So yes. it can that can get tricky. But I think yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a beautiful the way you communicate that is beautiful. Like it's like holding space, being compassionate, non-judgment. Like just like get get down to the basics of it. Like you don't need to get into the oh, and this is violence, and this is violence. At the end of the day, are you being compassionate? Are you, you know, acting from a place where you're committing to not harming people? Like it's yeah, can be that simple. And you will see it, you know, when talking about engaging that presence with someone, like you'll be able to see the boundaries that need to be enacted then. If you're not there, you you won't, you know, or, or you'll just habitually react or um, so it can be a really quick thing even with a confrontational situation that you need mm. to enact boundaries with but to just you know be there with your whole body with your breath and then you know present state of mind to just yeah know to back your boundaries with kind with kindness and which is clarity um perfect yeah love it so much that yoga can teach us yeah I've been Um, learning a lot in my personal life about boundaries um boundaries with love um, first in that being you know speaking up and enacting boundaries um but how to do it not with fear not with um not backed with anything else but that can that true compassion and and that true love and it's still just speaking so clearly and directly it feels amazing and loving ourselves as much as we love the other person yeah boundaries is love for us as it is as loving for for the other people the other person it's really hard boundaries are an ongoing thing for me first of all just setting them is really tricky now I'm in the place of okay well how do we maintain them when people start to cross it's one thing to say it but then to 
people will inevitably push them or whatever and that yeah that's where it gets tricky for recovering people pleasers myself totally I just spent the whole of one day of last weekend stewing over a scenario where I wanted to say no but (laughs) and when I really felt like dropped in and felt into okay what what am I actually feeling about this when I really got present with it it was very clear no but in my head I ping-ponged about it all day I really want to say yes but it's going to sacrifice this and and so I finally after feeling into this is a clear no and I just messaged the person and said it's a no and then they messaged back like the next day saying no problem. Guess what? There's someone else who's volunteered to do that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I spent the whole day, you know, feeling so bad for saying no. But when I tuned right in and just, you know, totally understood it was, it was a no for me just to communicate that um, was like Brene Brown says, it's kind. Yeah. Isn't that always like? We could do a whole episode on boundaries. For sure. We'll (laughs) We'll do that another time. Um, I like that it's rounded out as as a you know that practice of ahimsa presence with boundaries. Yes, love that. Um, I've got a question here. If you think we've covered it in the course of this conversation, then you know we're, I'm happy to leave it at that. But my question that I'm interested in: What do you think yoga has to offer the world, particularly in these times? And so here, I'm not thinking about what it offers individual people in the world but like the world like we're in un- unprecedented times can we please have some precedented times we'd love some mm. but as a practice what can it offer the global community mm. I think ultimately it's the dissolving of the illusion of separation which is the cause of all our wars um misuse of power um so that's it in a nutshell. I feel that starting within ourselves, if we can come to understand separation and connection and 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 then, you know, may this be applied as a collective and that I think will be the change of the world as a whole. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. That would be my answer too. So. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we could we could talk more about it, um, but that's essentially it. Understanding us, the ways that we separate, and understanding what the ways that point us back together. You know, I think of um, Gaza and like Russia and Ukraine and Sudan. Yep, all the causes of wars. Um, they're the same causes that go on within ourselves and so yoga gives us the tools and the pathway to lean into this within ourselves first yeah so uh so and, as, and, and as yogis we can acknowledge and accept that and know that our practice mm-hmm. that's like what we were talking about before know that our yoga yeah practice is the starting point and there are wise actions that can be taken you know we're looking for the wisdom um and that yeah our yoga practice is not separate to the yoga practice of the world do you know what I mean like they are all the same yeah and what you are practicing on the mat is what we are all practicing in our relationships with each other for the world mm. um, and I don't think you can come back to that enough and I don't think that it's necess- it's not it's a it's a tricky concept and it takes some time to really feel into and understand because separation is basically the core teach like that's the core teaching of the whole of yoga is the re- the release of separation and understanding the oneness of all which is not just why we practice yoga because it's very difficult um but it's not something that we just do for ourselves it's something that we do for the benefit of all yep yep and you know may with the the proportion of the world that are working on a lifestyle that points towards dissolving the illusion of separation like the ones that are awake and aware to that 
yeah, may we realise skillful action to take to enact change and because all that's happening with those events unfolding is unskillful action and yes. unawareness and a misperception about what um thinking that things are permanent when they're impermanent it's a misun- big, just a big misunderstanding it's it's ignorance that it's there mm. so yeah to, i mean to know cuz you know we can often feel so helpless when those all of this turmoil is going on and this harm so yeah just so grateful for the practice of yoga knowing that sometimes the skillful action in those moments are that we turn to our sadhana our practice and it begins there and that's the first step of the skillful action we don't need to know what the next thing is but that allow that to unfold yeah I mean like exactly what we were saying before like like getting on the mat or whatever that mindfulness practice is is creating space for those answers to come through it's yeah. not a matter of, oh, I practice yoga, therefore in every situation I already have the answer. It's no, it's, I have the tools to find the answer. Mm. If I if it doesn't come immediately, I have the tools to find it and the patience to know that eventually it will come because mm. it always it always does because there's change is inevitable. It always it always comes. So yeah, yeah I love that. If you could give someone new to yoga one piece of advice, what would it be? So going from the macro back down to the micro to tie us off, because I think beginner's mind is really important for all of us. This is not just for people who might be starting a practice, but like inviting everyone who's listening or reading this to be like, okay, what's what's one thing that I could do to practice beginner's mind in my own practice? Mm, good, Good question. I guess, you know, when I think of someone starting, wanting to start yoga or or try it for the first time, there's usually obstacles that already exist in the way, like as to why they might not have done that before, or like someone might suggest it and they might think, I'm not, you know, the typical, I'm not flexible enough, which of course it's not about that flexible flexibility of the mind that we're going to help to expand. Um. So there might already be those built reasons in the mind that 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 are stopping you from doing yoga. So what would I say if you were just starting starting out yoga was is like well done, like well done on <laughs> the motivation to and and yeah contemplate what you think it is in this moment and and um now just consider it an experiment. What, what is this really yes. about? Like just stay open to that. So uh, kind of getting clear what, what those myths might be, what you think this is about, and then just for one week or something like that or one month, let, let's use this as an experiment and be really curious about what yoga is actually about. And then you can decide whether it's for you or not after then. I love that. And for those of us who have been doing it for a while, maybe it's saying, all right, for this one week or this one month, I'm going to try a bunch of different classes that I've never been to before and yeah. challenge what I believe yoga is for me. And maybe you come to the end of that and are like, well, I, I like what I like and what, not even what I like, what I like. The, the practice that I've developed is the practice that supports me and is the, the way that it works for me. But maybe you're like, oh, actually, there's this whole other type of yoga or this pose or this thing that I hadn't thought about in years that actually is a way, is a better way for me to support myself now. Great suggestion. I mean, there's so many different styles. I, yeah. you know, when I, we were talking about this earlier. I ran a women's retreat. They just wanted restorative yoga. Mm. Like it was mostly restorative yoga. And that's a really valid yoga style. It's really yeah. important. Um, that might be your style or you might love power yoga or a strong ashtanga class. Yeah, agree. Try a few and, yep. and then try a few different teachers in that genre um, because it's so diverse, isn't it? And, and that's, that's, the, sorry, that's the one, you know, I guess dis, um, I can feel disappointed 
when when you do hear someone tried it and it was just not the right style or the right teacher for that person so they just gave it away forever thinking that's the whole of what yoga is mm. oh that really that that triggers me into disappointment yeah <laughs> um and it's not forever right like do like do do four classes like do a month like and if you really hate it then don't do it again like but give it a go yeah I just try I need that a bit because I very much like my little my little bubble of things that I do and why classes are really good and why it's good to um try different things so yeah I love that well we're gonna finish up here so just wanted to ask if people wanted to connect with you or learn more where can they find you the first port of call is probably the website, themindfulyogaschool.com, just to, I guess, see the offerings there, um, trainings and events and classes. And there's some free classes on there as well and other free uh, things too. Um, further to that, probably the socials, um, Instagram or Facebook, um, at the Mindful Yoga School or at Erin Lee underscore Yogini. They'd be the best ones, I think. Great. I'm also going to pop a little link to the little book of Big Intentions in there because I love it. I have the version with the deck and it's really supportive of me and my home practice. I pull a card at the beginning of my practice and that's the thing I don't already have an intention that I'm working with and that's the thing I bring my attention back to through the practice and it's and the pose that I use as my guiding pose and it's just such a really beautiful gentle way when you might be feeling a bit like oh I know I need to practice but I don't know what the broader thing that I want to consider is just to kind of bring that in and your reflections on each of the intentions are so beautiful and so loving and kind and compassionate and supportive that it's hard to hard to go wrong, really. Like it's just okay, well, here it is. We're gonna like we talked about, just gonna give it a go. Just see. Like lots of invitations and curiosity throughout the book, Good. which I think is wonderful. Thank you for giving it so much love, Erin. Thank you. I loved creating it. We've had heaps of fun on the recent book tour for it our last stop was just a couple of nights ago in Harvey Bay and just I was reflecting going the whole creation of that project through to you know it manifesting and then the the ongoing book tour we were saying it's a bit like the John Farnham never-ending tour um but it kind of did officially and actually just as it ended someone said can you do that same program for this festival (laughs) Like the, the tour continues. It really is like John Farnham. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been such a joy. And thank you for being such a supporter of it too. Well, it's such a beautiful book. It can, should continue to be uh, celebrated ongoing because it's, yeah, such a beautiful, beautiful way to practice. I yeah really encourage people to check it out. Um, it's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, energy and contribution to being interviewed today and your enthusiastic yes and everything you shared i i know people are gonna love this conversation there's lots of little juicy nuggets in there and yeah, i loved it thank you for the chat erin um and thank you for just being a wonderful teacher and human being and a light in the world for just for everyone but especially for those of us on the sunshine coast who view yoga as like the the tool for mindfulness and the like the stuff that we've talked about today that broader that broader understanding of yoga as a way home to ourselves mm-hmm. so i'm grateful for you and everything that you do thank you erin for those kind words thank you for having me on for your first episode i'm so honored oh it's my pleasure i can't wait to share it with everyone the same Oh, thank you. My dream is to create a vibrant community of humans engaged in the living of yoga, not just the practice of it. 
You can help by rating and reviewing the podcast in the app where you listen to help other yoga seekers find us here. You can also join the community. Each week we reflect on the poster episode for the week in our subscriber-only chat. Head to embodimentyoga.substack.com slash chat to join us. The intro music for the Now The Yoga Begins podcast is Everybody Up by Sasha Anday, licensed under Creative Commons via filmmusic.io. For more information, check out the show notes. Now The Yoga Begins, the podcast and newsletter are an offering of the heart, free for anyone who wishes to receive them. If you'd like to support this work, you can become a paid subscriber at embodimentyoga.substack.com slash subscribe. Monthly and yearly subscriptions are available for $10 AU per month. Until next week, thanks for listening.